We're in the section of hope that we have in this present life for the life to come that enables and empowers us to live here. And you see that start off in verse 18 and the comparison between suffering now and glory to come. He says this in verse 18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Not because the sufferings are easy or small, but because the glory will dwarf them in comparison. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth till now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And He who searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Thus far God's Word. Let's pray together. Lord, we bow. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your spirit's intercession. We thank you for your son who has lived for our righteousness, who has died to pay the penalty for our sin, who has been raised from the, from the grave and is reigning and coming again someday. You are taking your gospel to the ends of the earth. And you are with us here now this morning in your worship. So we praise you and we pray for your help. Lord, cleanse us from our sin. Fill us with your spirit. Focus us on your word. Teach, grow, change us. Convert the lost, Lord. Sanctify the saved. Help me to preach your word in the power of the spirit. Help us to hear it in the power of the spirit, seeking to understand it and live in its light. May you, Lord, speak to your people in a living voice as your word goes forth. Bless us, Lord, with your truth. It is in the holy name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. I will pray for you about that. We say that a lot, don't we? Sometimes we mean it and actually follow through. Sometimes we forget to pray and then we act like we prayed when we get the report back, don't we? At best, we are occasional, imperfect, fallible intercessors. But what I want you to see this morning from this this text is that we have a continual, infallible intercessor who never fails to intercede for us. One who continually prays perfectly for us because He loves us deeply. 
It struck me this week, and I asked Cindy if she ever thought about this. How many times have you ever thought about the fact that the Holy Spirit loves you? We think of God the Father loving us. We think of the Son loving us. But how often do we think of the Spirit loving us? We do not even have to ask Him to pray. It's automatic. And listen, His prayers, His intercession is always answered with a yes. And we'll see what that means as we look at the text. Well, as I said, we're in the middle of a study of the book of Romans. We've seen Paul make the case that everyone living needs a Savior. Jew and Gentile are lost without hope, needing a Savior. That Jesus Christ is that Savior. And it is through faith in Jesus Christ that salvation is given to us as a free gift. We are justified on the basis of Christ. His perfect sacrificial death. His perfect life of righteousness. Us being cleansed from our sin because our sin was imputed to Him on the cross. And He died and paid the penalty for it. He was the true and greater Lamb of God. And His righteousness therefore was credited to us that we might be justified or declared righteous by the Father, the judge, and adopted into His family. And then we've seen also that we are being sanctified. We have a great theology of sanctification through union with Christ. And we have a great hope in Christ of future glory. And so we're in that section of walking through the suffering of, the, of this present time in hope because of the glory that is to be revealed to us in Christ Jesus. This is not our home. We're passing through to the new heavens, new earth, where we will be perfectly set free, live with Christ, worship God forever. No sin, no misery. We've talked a lot about that, so I'll point you back to those sermons. But this morning, we want to focus on the Spirit's intercession. In verse 26 and in verse 27 it says that the Spirit intercedes for us. So simple title. And what I want you to see as we look at these two texts, our main point, the Spirit's groaning intercession perfects our prayers, linking them up perfectly with the will of God. So let's look first at the Spirit intercedes with groaning in verse 26 making up for our weakness. It says, likewise, in verse 26. This means, in the same way. The same way as our hope sustains and fuels us and helps us to, to hope while we're here, the Spirit helps us and help in our weakness and helps us to walk in hope while we're here. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. This word helps means He comes to our aid. He meets us in our need. And this word means to help by joining in an activity or effort. Bearing our burdens along with us. The Spirit is indwelling us and joining with us and bearing our burden and helping us in our weakness. Helping us to embrace our weakness and look to the Lord. For hope, But what is our weakness that is identified here? He said, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness for. So he's going to explain to us. He's continuing here and telling us what weakness he's discussing, he, he, he says here. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. Just a general statement. In and of ourselves... 
we just don't have the capacity to know perfectly how to pray, do we? We don't know. It says right there, we do not know what to pray for as we ought. Ought. We know how to pray for what we want. But we don't know how to pray for what we ought. Because most of the time, if we're not careful, we are praying for what we want. Own it. Look at it. I'm waiting a moment. The Word of God is teaching us that we don't know what to pray for as we ought. That is our weakness. That is the place in which, at least in this text, that is identified in which we need help, which we need the Spirit to come alongside us in our weakness and to help us in that weakness because we don't know what to pray for as we ought. We have a prayer weakness. And it's really nothing, in general, it's nothing uncommon to just being a creature of God. What I mean by that is we do not have infinite knowledge. We have a knowledge weakness. We have a wisdom weakness. So therefore we have a prayer weakness. We have a a knowledge weakness. We don't know everything. We're not all-knowing. We're not all-wise. So therefore we need a lot of help to grow in and hope in and to pray more rightly. But thank God it's not left up just to us. But listen, think about this. Even the apostles didn't always pray rightly. Before you feel too guilty about your situation. It's just identifying a weakness of a creature. And yes, a a sinful creature in a fallen world who needs help. But the apostle Paul didn't always pray in accord with the will of God, did he? That thorn in the flesh that was given to him, he prayed God would take it away. And he prayed again that God would take it away. And he prayed again that God would take it away. And God said, okay, since you've prayed three times, I'll take it away. Since you rubbed the lamp just right, I'll be your genie. No, God says, no. No, this thing has a purpose. My grace is sufficient for you in the midst of this. For my power is made perfect in weakness. And it's not that God is making us weak. He just wants us to embrace our weakness, who we are, our need of Him. And a lot of times thorns are what brings, brings us into contact with that. Trials, struggles, Weakness, things that cause us to not hope in ourselves, but to look up. So even the apostles didn't always pray exactly within the will of God. And listen, I'll say this right here. I mentioned it this morning. The the name of Jesus is not given to you as a magic bullet or a magic incantation or a magic potion. So... Praying in the name of Jesus is not just saying in Jesus' name at the end of your prayer. 
Praying in the name of Jesus means you're coming in the authority and according to the purpose and in line with the revealed will of Jesus. In other words, you're trying to line your prayers up with the will of God. You want God to be glorified. You want His kingdom to come, His glory to be manifest if we're praying that way. But we cannot always clearly discern what God's will is. We don't have every decision lined out for us in God's Word. So our prayers, listen to me, this is the most faith-filled way you can pray. Don't listen to Benny Hinn and all the other quacks. The most faith-filled way you can pray is to say in your prayers, not my will, but yours be done. It takes more faith to entrust you and your situation to God than it does to try to tell God what to do. And that's how Jesus prayed, so it can't be a faithless prayer. Our prayer should always be qualified with your will be done, if it is your will. Lord, this is what I think in my limited understanding, but you do what you know is best. We pray for many things that are not His will. We, as opposed to the Holy Spirit, we don't always get a yes answer. We get a no answer or we get a wait answer. But we do pray for what seems best to us. And listen... I'll confess my sin and you join in if you can. We usually think God should do things our way, don't we? But see, this text is showing us we have a weakness in prayer. Well, not that we shouldn't pray. Yes, we should pray. God, we're commanded to pray. Jesus taught us to pray. But we don't know exactly how to pray because we don't have infinite knowledge. We don't have infinite wisdom. We don't know how to pray for as we ought. And listen, this will be true as long as we live here. We will always need help. But listen, God's done all He can do and the rest is up to you. So you just go figure it out. Amen. Sermon over. No. Look at your text. We don't know how to pray for as we ought, but that little word brings a lot of encouragement after it in Scripture many times, doesn't it? We don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit Himself, emphasis on something the Spirit is doing. The Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings, His groanings, too deep for words. The Spirit groans for us. Now, we've seen that we groan because we want to be free. We want to be completed. But the Spirit groans in a different way, and we'll see that in a minute. But notice what it says here. It's bringing out what's in the original. The Spirit Himself. That's emphasis. The Spirit Himself. This is speaking of what the Spirit does. The focus here is on the Spirit's activity. And it says that He intercedes. And He prays to the Father for us. And notice that word intercedes. It's a present verb. Continual, ongoing action. He's continually interceding for us. Never stops, never gives up. And it says He intercedes for us with groanings. 
This is this in this context, this this word is to groan or sigh as a deep result of deep concern or stress. Now we know the spirit's not stressed out. So it's a sigh of deep concern. It's a sympathetic sigh. It's a sympathetic groan. It is the spirit's concern for us in our lives. It's his love for us. It's a loving groan. He wants the best for us. And what is the best for us? We'll we'll talk more about that in in a minute. But this groan is a groan of deep concern for us, not for himself. Like our groan is different from our groan because our groan, as we saw, and I'll point you back to the previous sermons, our groan was to be further clothed. It was to be set free from this fallen world. It was to have our new bodies and be in the new heavens and the new earth. It was a, a hopeful groan because we have hope. But this is a loving concern. This is the same way as Jesus would groan sometimes. Or even when he wept, he, he knew what he was going to do, but he was, he was groaning for and with his people. And he was angry at sin and what it had done. So this is, this is not a groan of suffering or longing of completeness. It's a groan of sympathy and love. And look at what else it says. So the Spirit, we're weak. We don't know how to pray as we ought. The Spirit's interceding for us with groanings. He's concerned. He's in it with us. I mean, He's in us. <laughs> he couldn't get any closer. And He loves us and wants us to lead us in the right way. And it says the Spirit Himself intercedes with groanings too deep for words. That word there literally means no words. It means unspoken. What cannot be expressed in words. So just quickly, notice the focus of this verse is on what the Spirit's doing. And He's interceding for us because He cares for us. He identif- he's groaning with us. And He's groaning in a way that is too deep for words. This is not talking about what we're doing. This is talking about what the Spirit's doing. And the Spirit's able to do that without words. And we'll talk about that more as we see in the next verse. Listen, this is not talking about us praying in some mystery language that we don't know and understand what we're saying. We're not the subject of the verb here. Something the Spirit is doing for us. It is not God's will, it never has been God's will for all Christians to speak in tongues. Where do you get that, Jeff? Go read 1 Corinthians 12. He plainly asked the question, is it, uh, do all speak in tongues? And the expected answer in the Greek is No. Paul himself in chapter 14 says, listen, I'm not going to pray. I'm going to pray with my spirit, yes, but I'm going to pray with my mind and my understanding. And yes, sometimes he uses hyperbole. Even if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, if I have not love, that's the point. I'm a clanging symbol. It didn't mean he walked around speaking in tongues of angels. There's a lot of dis... There's a lot of misunderstanding when it comes to these kind of things. But I just want you to look at the verse. This is talking about what the Spirit's doing, and He's doing it without words. Without our words. And He doesn't even have to use words because of the connection within the Trinity. But there's this sympathetic groaning that is very different from our groaning. 
I'm not going to spend a lot of time telling you what this is not. I'll point you to the text. We can talk about that if we need to. But it's not some incoherent praying that we're doing. It's what the Spirit is doing as He prays for us in His own way, which is far beyond our ability to even express. But notice, no words. That's the other thing I would say. Tongues in the Bible is languages. It's words that were spoken and used for God's glory. The Spirit is the one doing the interceding. Yes, we pray and we pray, we pray amiss a lot, but this is talking about what the Spirit is doing as He intercedes for us. Imagine yourself in court in a foreign land. You've been charged with a particular charge. You're not guilty, but you've been charged with a particular charge. But you don't know the law. You don't know the culture. You don't speak the language. You need an advocate in that court. And if you get a good advocate, a good lawyer, he's one that knows the law, knows the culture, knows the language, and can represent you well. That's kind of what we're talking about. The Holy Spirit going before the throne or going to the Father, representing us and doing something for us, groaning as He intercedes with us with groanings that are too deep for words. So the Holy Spirit represents us and intercedes for us. What does He pray for? Look at point number two. I'm really just staying with this text today. I wasn't sure how long it would take, but just wanted to stay focused in here as much as I could. Point number two, the Spirit intercedes according to God's will. The mind of the Spirit. Look at this. He who searches hearts, think God the Father, knows what is the mind of the Spirit. There's that, don't even, I mean, they don't have to speak. There's just this knowledge. This one, one God, three persons, interpenetration, all of these things we can talk about. But the one who searches hearts, the one that we are praying to, fallibly, that one, by His Spirit indwelling in us, is in intimate contact with His Spirit. He who searches the hearts, there is perfect accord in the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God sees the inner being of every person. And in the Christian, the child of God, that's where the Spirit dwells. And the Spirit is continually interceding in His own way. Prayers that are expressed on our behalf. And He intercedes perfectly. Notice what it says. The Spirit intercedes for everybody who ever lived for the saints. Now, this is not these special tier people in the Catholic Church who supposedly have reached another echelon. In the Bible, a saint is one who believes in Christ. A saint is one who is trusting in Christ. A saint is God's child. Same, same thing. <clears throat> so the Spirit intercedes for the saints, the people who are believing. Listen, are you trusting in Christ this morning? 
Because if you're not trusting in Christ this morning, you don't have the Spirit within you. You're not a saint, and that wouldn't be news to the people around you. We aren't either as far as perfection. But Christ came. He died for our sins. He was raised from the grave, and through faith in Him, we are made children of God. We are made saints. So is your hope in trusting Christ? Salvation is a free gift to you if you'll trust in Christ. But if you are trusting in Christ and you're weak and you don't understand and you're struggling, you're still a saint. And you should, you should know that the Spirit is interceding for you and He's doing it perfectly. Look what it says. The Spirit intercedes for the saints according to their feelings. The Spirit in the, intercedes with, for the saints in accord with their wishes. No, the Spirit prays perfectly like Christ is teaching us to pray. The Spirit intercedes according to the will of God. See, we often fail to know God's will and therefore we pray out of accord with God's will. God's Spirit is though interceding for us in a way that perfectly matches God's will. The Spirit being God knows everything and is all wise, so He prays in perfect accord with His own purposes, with the purposes of God. He perfectly intercedes. Look at that. He who searches the mind knows what the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for us Christians, the saints, the children of God, according to the will of God. Praying perfectly the will of God in every situation and remember I said it earlier his prayers are always answered with a yes because they're always according to the will of God and we know even ourselves if we pray anything that's according to his will he hears us 1 John 5 will tell us that the spirit prays perfectly on our behalf the will of God in us and for us and through us that the glory of God might be accomplished and that our good might be done. Our good is not always what we imagine it to be. We would never imagine it to be go through the trials that we go through sometimes. Jerry Bridges says this, God never pursues His glory at the expense of the good of His people. That's comforting, isn't it? God never pursues His glory at the expense of the good of His people, the saints. Those trusting in Christ. Now watch this. Nor does He ever seek our good at the expense of His glory. The two are intimately bound together. He has designed, designed His eternal purpose so that His glory and our good are inextricably bound together. What comfort and encouragement this should be to us. See, this is what the Spirit prays for. God's glory and our good. Us in God's plan of redemption. Working out redemption. Making us like His Son. And even through the trials that we go through, Spirit praying according to the will of God that that trial that has been tamed by the sacrifice of Christ can only work for us to make us more like Jesus now. Not that He'll always take away the struggle. Some of you deal with illnesses you'll have the rest of your life and that's not a lack of faith. Right? God is at work 
and meshing you into his glory and taking you all the way home to the new heavens and the new earth. This perfectly aligns with the intercession of the Son. The Son intercedes for us. Jesus is before the throne interceding for us. He is on the throne. His blood has been put on the true and real mercy seat on our behalf. Jesus is defending us from all charges that might be brought against us and guaranteeing our salvation on on the day of judgment. And we'll see that when we get to verses 31 and following. So Jesus intercedes, the Spirit intercedes, the Spirit's interceding according to the will of God so that the will of God, the glory of God might be accomplished and that is our good. Thomas Schreiner said this, Believers then should take tremendous encouragement that the will of God is being fulfilled in their lives despite their weakness. You're not messing it up, Christian. When you pray wrongly, you don't mess it up. If I'd have just prayed for this... No, because the Spirit was and is interceding according to the will of God. Pray with freedom. Know that the Spirit will translate those prayers into the will of God. Believers then, Thomas Schreiner says, should take tremendous encouragement that the will of God is being fulfilled in their lives despite their weakness and inability to know what to pray for. God's will is not frustrated because of the weakness of believers. It is fulfilled because the Spirit intercedes for us and invariably receives affirmative answers to His pleas. We can have hope in the midst of life in this fallen world, in the midst of our weakness. We, if, if we've been walking with Christ any time at all, we know that we are often confounded to what to pray for. And how to pray. But what we shouldn't do is is think that if I had just prayed better, life would be easier now or better the way I see things. Because the Spirit is always interceding for the saints according to the will of God. And in that way, He helps our weakness. He stands in the gap for us and all of God's purpose will be accomplished in and through our lives. The Spirit is perfectly interceding according to God's will. How might we apply this quickly? Number one, this does not mean giving up on prayer, and I said this earlier. Why? Why do we do anything we do? The first and primary reason is because God commands us to. But I mean, we should want to. Man, we should want to draw near to this This king who has sacrificed himself for us. But it doesn't mean giving up on prayer. It just means giving up on hoping in our prayer. It means giving up on thinking we have to pray it just right. It means giving up on dependence upon ourselves. See, prayer is commanded and it is promised. It's a means of grace. Prayer is one of the things through which God works to make us more like Jesus. That's the goal, by the way, if you didn't know it. And we'll see that as we move on in Romans 2. God's goal in your life is not comfort. His primary goal in your life is not comfort. It's conformity to the image of Christ. And a lot of that conformity happens in trials and struggle. Like Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer, I've overcome it for you. If you're a Christian, now everything has to work for you. Not to make you comfortable, but to make you more like Jesus. 
God is willing for His children to be uncomfortable. He doesn't spoil us and give us everything that we want. Parents, I would suggest you don't do that with your children either. Some of them need a good... Spare the rod, spoil the child, argue with God if you want to. I'm not, I'm not here to preach that message today. But it don't mean we give up on prayer. We should, we're free to draw near. We, we should run to the throne of grace. We should pour out our hearts and know that God will answer those prayers in accordance with His will. If I pray anything that is, seems good to me but it is not good for me, He's not going to give it to me. If I fail to pray something that is good for me that I need according to His will, He's going to give it to me. Why? The Spirit's perfectly interceding. But as we live on this earth, we should be plowing into His Word. And the more of His Word we know, the more we know His will, and the more we're able to pray, even in our own hearts, according to His will, which is revealed in His Word. Listen, we should be confident that we cannot mess things up by praying wrongly. And we should be trusting that His sovereign will will be accomplished in and through our prayers because of the Spirit's intercession. So instead of crimping our prayer, number two, it frees us to pray. This knowledge should free us to pray. We pour out our hearts to God. We know every one of our prayers will be translated into the perfect will of God by the Spirit of God who's interceding for us. Look at me. Your prayers will be answered as though they were prayed perfectly. Your prayers will be answered as though they were prayed perfectly. Perfectly in accord with the will of God. And by the Spirit, they are. Your prayers will be prayed. Answered, I mean, as though they were prayed perfectly. So pray! Pray, run to God, commune with God, pour out your heart to God, entrust it all to God, and crown it with, when they conflict, not my will but yours be done. May your will be done, your kingdom come, your name be hallowed in all the earth. Because as I said, number three, every prayer the Spirit prays is answered with a yes. Because He's perfectly interceding according to the will of God. Look at me. He prays as we would pray if we were holy and all-knowing and all-wise. That's exactly how we would pray. But we're not holy yet. We're not glorified yet. We're not and never will be all-knowing and all-wise. But the cross shows us that we can trust this God who tells us that He's all-knowing and all-wise, who has sacrificed His Son for us, who has given us His Spirit and His Word to make us like His Son, to deliver us from all of our sin and therefore all of our misery and take us all the way home to the new heavens and the new earth. The Spirit prays for us as we would pray if we were holy and all-knowing and all-wise. So four, this gives us peace in the storm. I don't know about you, but there have been times when I just laid on the floor before the Lord and did little more than groan. Didn't know what to say. Didn't know how to say it. And to know that in the midst of my inability and wordlessness and groaning 
and struggle, the Spirit was interceding according to the will of God. So now knowing that, I can have peace in the trials of this life. I can know that, that you know, what makes the difference is not my prayer, but the Spirit's prayer. And my prayers work. Yes, they availeth much when they're prayed according to His will, which is a real, revealed in His Word. But I don't always pray that way, and you don't either. But the Spirit does. And remember, that groan is a sympathetic groan. It's a groan of, weak, of, of concern for our weakness. A groan of love for us. And leading us through prayer in the right, the right way. Everything that comes into our lives is the result of an all-knowing spirit who is praying for us and always being answered. And a lot of that's mystery. A lot of these trials, we're going to look just at that trial and go, ain't no way this is good. Ain't no way this is in accord with God's will. Well, it is in accord with His sovereign will or it wouldn't be happening. It might not be in accord with His moral will. Somebody might steal your car and that's a sin. But still, it couldn't have happened without him ordaining it and promising to use it in your life to make you like Jesus. Everything that comes into our lives is the result of an all-knowing spirit who is praying for us and who is always being answered. And this thing, whatever it is, whatever trial you're in the midst of right now, aligns with God's glory and good. Somehow it is best for you now. And in the midst of it, even when you can't pray, the Spirit is interceding according to the will of God. And if you're His child, He's going to take you through or deliver you from or whatever His will is. He's going to take you through it and He's going to make it work for you and He's going to make you more like Jesus as a result of it. The cross proves it. If you Listen, how do I know God loves me? What my tendency is, I want to look at my feelings and look at my circumstances. That's really bad advice. You look at the cross. That's how you know God loves you. And He promises if He did that for us, will He withhold anything good from us? God has His glory up front. And in His glory, your good. And the Spirit is interceding in that way and He never stops doing it. So I'll just remind you again, it's what I said. It's one thing that I've come away thinking about. The Spirit loves you, child of God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit love you. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are leading you in His glory and your good, in His plan. The Spirit is interceding with groans of sympathy for you. And no, listen, be comforted. He's praying perfectly for you. Perfectly for you. So you can pray imperfectly and rest and just commit it to the will of God. The will of God in every situation is what the Spirit is interceding for it's what Christ died for to bring you through and to take you all the way home. It's what God is up to. But the Spirit loves you. And that's why He groans with and for you in every situation. I'm going to read this to you. This is from... I'm going to, I'm going to encourage you to come to 915 classes when we have them. 
We've been studying the attributes of God and greatly benefiting from getting to know our God. But I was amazed this week at how God knitted the two together. I don't teach every week. We, the elders rotate through teaching the classes. But the, 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 the attribute I had this morning was omniscience. And it perfectly lines up with this text of Scripture as regarding prayer. And so one of the things I said in application this morning was this, with these two wed together. Listen closely. I'll read it slowly. God answers our prayers in line with the perfect way He sees things, not in line with the imperfect way we see things. Now watch this. He gives us what we would give to ourselves if we knew everything that He knows. God gives to us what we would give to ourselves if we knew everything that He knows. And He also withholds from us what we would withhold from ourselves if we knew everything that He knows. He answers our prayers according to His perfect wisdom and knowledge and not in accord with our limited wisdom and knowledge except when the two line up because we've been in His Word. There are times, even as creatures, even as children of God, even as imperfect, that we can pray confidently knowing we're praying His will because we're praying in line with His Word, rightly interpreted. And even then, though, the timing is His. Right? God gives us what we would give ourselves if we know everything He knows, and He withholds what we would withhold from ourselves if we knew everything He knows. If we were God, we'd do it just the way He's doing it. We're not. So we struggle. But verses like this give us hope. Go away from this sermon knowing that you are always perfectly prayed for. And those prayers are always being perfectly answered. And He will accomplish all of His purposes in and through you. Through the Spirit's intercession, all things must work for your good in God's glory. So when you commit to pray for someone, number one, do so. But do so with great confidence knowing that the Holy Spirit bears that burden with you both and prays perfectly in line with the will of God. Child of God, rest in Christ and pray for His will to be done and for His kingdom to come in its fullness. Rest in the fact that the Spirit perfectly groans for you and intercedes for you. Always according to the perfect will of God. To live is Christ. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for hope in the midst of a fallen world. Thank you for the Spirit's intercession for us. We can confidently know that now all things must work for us, that we will be conformed into the image of Christ that you will finish the work you've begun. You will take us all the way home to the new heavens and the new earth.
And though we pray imperfectly, by your grace, help us to commit those prayers to you and your will, trusting that your will is being prayed for us, that your will will be done, and helping us to rest in our Savior. So bless us, Lord, to be people who pray knowing that we are being well interceded for according to the will of God. I pray for those in the room or listening to the live stream or recording that, that, that don't know you, that this would be the day in which you reap that soul, that you bring them to faith in Christ. So maybe that you plant the gospel seeds or cause them to struggle with this until you work in their hearts to, to draw them to yourself. But I pray for us as your children to, to trust you, to seek you. May this encourage us to pray, not stifle our prayers. And may we know, know that those prayers are all being transformed into God-glorifying prayers through the intercession of the Spirit and that your will will be done, that your kingdom will come, and that your name will be hallowed in all the earth. Save and sanctify your people. We look to you and thank you for your grace. It is in Jesus' name.